How many times during the 99 Rams season did we all say, this is like a Hollywood movie. This is unbelievable. Like nobody would believe this story. Kurt Warner came in. We've told the story in St. Louis millions of times now, as you probably heard. It is going to be a movie. And in addition to always saying it during that breakthrough, phenomenal 99 Rams season, I think over the years on the radio, we would have Kurt on. Sometimes we'd have Brenda on. And we would say, is this ever going to be a movie? You guys going to end up on the big screen? And kind of laughed about it, joked about it. So it's been a long time coming. But American Underdog, Kurt Warner's story is coming out fittingly on Christmas Day. And I've not watched the whole film. I've got it in my inbox. I've seen the trailers and some of the clips and read some of the reviews. And it's it's very much the Kurt and Brenda story. And if you think about all of our coverage over the years of the Warners, it usually involves both. I mean, there, there are activities in St. Louis still doing the winter warm-up and collecting coats. Interviews in Phoenix, L.A., whenever you see them, they are together. They're a power couple. There's no doubt about it. So the movie's largely about that. And her sort of reminding Kurt not to give up on the dream when he was in Iowa. He had, I think at that point, been snubbed by the Packers. It's before the Bears even called, long before the Rams called, sent him to Amsterdam. So many different things that we remember about Kurt and Brenda, the fact that this this Hollywood story happened in front of our eyes in St. Louis. And, you know, the Vermeil clip, we will rally around Kurt Warner and play good football. He always says, Coach Vermeil, like he believed it when he said it, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you could say that at the time. Sure, he was a former Arena League star, but, man, that, that team was devastated when Trent Green was injured. You had added Marshall Falk. You had signed Adam Timmerman, a Pro Bowl offensive lineman. You drafted Torrey Holt, and you, and you got Trent Green. And it was like, oh, we have all the pieces in place. It's unbelievable. We're This is finally our time. And then Trent goes down with the knee injury, and it was it almost seemed, I think Howard Balzer was out there burning sage at Rams Park trying to make the, like the, the demons go away, like what a haunted franchise, and you know, we must have made a deal with the devil to get this team from L.A., and then everything just sucks since they've been here. I mean, you think about it. Their first year here, they won seven games. There was that immediate hoopla. They were 4-0, 5-1, and then it leveled off. So they went 7-9, 6-10. They fire Rich Brooks, bring in Kerr, uh, not bring in Kerr, want to bring in Dick Vermeil, and it's 5-11, and followed by... Four and twelve, like you're going the wrong way. And there was a famous off-season meeting after the '98 season. Vermeil had been here two years. He flies to L.A. Of course, the meeting's in L.A., right? The Rams never really left L.A. And John Shaw had the meeting. Team president John Shaw, former Kilcoin Conversation guest, which is a fascinating segment if you're ever looking to go back into the archives a little bit. But John Shaw said to Vermeil, "Like, what, what's going on here? It's just and the players are pissed." They, bunch of them skipped the team flight coming back from San Francisco after the final game. It was a, you know, a small sign of mutiny. And Vermeil said, I think we're going to be really good next year. I think we're turning the corner. And John's like, oh, my God, Dick, I've heard that for so many years from so many coaches. I just don't believe it anymore. But Vermeil convinced him, and I think Shaw, to his credit, and John was a really smart guy, Probably didn't get enough credit for some of his football acumen because he's a career accountant, a lawyer. But he said, if we're going to do this, 
we got we got to make some changes here. You need a new offensive coordinator. We we got to try something different here. And they brought in Mike Martz, and that as much as anything changed it all. Not only the offensive scheme, but the swagger. And you pair Martz with Falk and Holt and Bruce. And then you sign Trent Green, and then Warner comes along. And so the Warner story with Martz is is also a great subplot. I mean, the trailer that comes out that everybody's seeing right now starts with this guy who looks like Mrs. Doubtfire. He's got the big glasses and white hair, basically ridiculing Kurt. What makes you think you can do this? And Kurt has said that it's pretty accurate, you know. Uh, March was tough on, on Kurt Warner, but it paid off, I would say. And you had the good cop, bad cop. You know, Vermeil who would hug everybody, and Martz, who would obliterate you in the offensive meetings. And, you know, lo and behold, this thing, it, they struck gold, obviously. And then it ends in St. Louis poorly. We remember that part as well. But this movie is about the journey of the two of them, Kurt and Brenda, getting to this place. And so we had a recent junket in St. Louis, chance to sit down. And and for me, I even think about these moments over the years where we kind of witnessed this. In the summer of 98, I'm in Macomb. Fox 2 wants to do a story, you know, a feature story. Well, we probably did a million of them, but it was kind of, we're always looking for a different hook. So this particular day, I said, I'm doing something on, you know, the NFL playbook. You always hear, he only knows a third of the playbook, or he's in his book, he's studying. And I went to Rick Smith, the longtime PR man, again, a former guest on the show. He's a He is a character that's, well, we've told his story, but uh, he kind of talked like this all the time. And, uh, you know, I don't know, Martin, I don't think any of these guys are going to do this story you're working on. And I said, can you just get me a guy who would sit down with his playbook and, and visually thumb through it and talk about how much work it is? He, and Rick Smith at Thompson Hall, the old Macomb, Western Illinois campus, comes back and says, yeah, I got a guy for you. Uh, you're, you know the quarterback in camp here, this guy Warner? Uh, yeah, he'll do it, okay? So I looked at my photographer, Dick Arnold, who was from Iowa, and he said, oh, I like that guy. He's from northern Iowa. So they bring in Kurt Warner, and he's great. We do the interview. We say we need you to walk back and forth a few times as if you're carrying your playbook, and he played the role. And I thought, yeah, what a good guy. <laughs> you know, little did we know uh, what was ahead for him. And he was always great to people. When he became a huge star, training camp was chaos. There'd be barricades. Everybody wanted a piece of Warner. And part of that was his religious story. That attracted a whole new audience. May not have cared at all about the Rams, but they loved Kurt and the fact that he was a strong Christian and he would preach it. And people were lining up all over the place. So he would walk around and either sign things. Eventually, he got to where I think he pre-signed, kind of like Stan Musil used to do. He'd hand you a card. He'd have it ready. But Kurt was great about that, taking care of the fans, being nice to everybody. Uh, And I have another thought as I was going in to do this interview with Kurt and Brenda just my experiences with Kurt, and even when you play with Arizona, we'd go interview him on a Saturday at the downtown Hilton Hotel. Field they've lost. You know, nobody wants to do interviews. But Randy Naughton, my colleague at Fox Two, was in the locker room getting some interviews, and she runs out and says, "Do you want Warner?" And I said, "What do you mean? Do I want Warner?" He'll come out. And she said, "He said he would do it." It's even weirder because he had a deal with Channel Five locally. He was their Sunday night guy. Marshall Falk was our guy. But apparently Warner said he would, true to his word, walks out. Well, we're in like a five-minute commercial break, and I'm sure these are extremely expensive spots, maybe in the history of the station, post-Super Bowl. 
But Warner's standing there. Now Rick Smith, the old PR guy, is like, he's got to go. And I'm like, to the director, he said, it's a three-minute break or something. And I just scream, get the F out of the commercial now. Play the GD thing later. And I realize as I'm just on this blue streak that I'm standing next to Kurt Warner, and I look at him. He looks beat up from the game, and he's holding his Bible in one hand, maybe a bag of food in the other to get on the team bus. And I said, oh, I said, Kurt, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I just kind of went on a tangent. He goes, it's all right. It happens. <laughs> and as always, he was gracious. We came out of the break early. We did the interview. Uh, the folks at Channel 5 came running over to grab him, and the old PR guy said, hey, he's got to go. We're getting on the bus. We're out of here. So I'll never forget that moment either with Kurt. So all of that said, fun to remember these stories. Remember that time in 99. And we talked a little bit about that with Brenda. What was it like? You know, they had... They were just living in town. They weren't big stars, and it just happened overnight. So it's not a terribly long interview. That's the way these junkets work. You sit them down for about 10 minutes. They wrap you up. But Kurt and Brenda Warner are the subject of the Kilcoin Conversation, the movie American Underdog coming out on December 25th, Christmas Day, which makes sense with their faith and their story. The Kilcoin Conversation is presented, as always, by B&G Tuck Pointing, the best in the bricks. If you have a brick home, a brick garage, you know the drill here. Make it look new again by getting the tuck pointing done. Make sure you call the fine folks at B&G Tuck Pointing. <clears throat> Excuse me, 363-0525. 363-0525. Ask for Rich Galati by name. Tell him you heard Martin talking about them for a long time. Also, Marie DeVilla, Senior Living, the beautiful campus in West County. Christmas tree is up. If you're out shopping this time of year, make sure you whip on by Clayton and Wideman Road and check out this beautiful tree, believed to be the largest outdoor Christmas tree in St. Louis County. MarieDeVilla.com is where you can take a virtual tour. Check out the Villa Estates, assisted living, all of it at MarieDeVilla.com. Triad Bank, the St. Louis based bank since 2005. Home loans, car loans, business loans. Make sure you're talking to my friends at Triad Bank on Clayton Road in Frontenac. They're also on the web. Of course they are. Triad Banking. Com. And appliance discounters. Boy, how much fun would it be this time of year to surprise the family with a new refrigerator? Maybe it's a new stove. Maybe the family's been talking about getting a new washer, dryer, dishwasher. Get it at appliance discounters. And because of their huge warehouse, inventory is not an issue. That's something they've been known for for years. And it's really coming in handy right now with all the supply chain issues. Theappliancediscounters.com. All that great General Electric merchandise. They also have great GE rebates. Start the search at theappliancediscounters.com. Here it is, our visit with the Warners. This would be for both of you. Were you nervous when, I know Michael Silver had written the book years ago, but when they say it's going to be a movie, what is there any trepidation for any reason? Yeah, for, for a lot of reasons. Um, just, you never know, first of all, when somebody makes a movie, is it going to be the real story? Are they going to tell what you went through? Are they going to do it like you want them to do it? Is the story going to be the kind of story that you want? So there was a lot of trepidation. It's been a work in progress, and we've gone through a number of scripts for that exact reason. Like, that's not the story. That's not what we want to do. That's not the kind of movie that we want to make. So every time we would see some sort of rendition of the movie, you go in and you're nervous like, okay, what's it going to be like? 
And the beautiful thing is that uh, we both love the movie and we love the themes in the movie and we're extremely excited for other people to see it. What was the role? Did you guys get to like during filming stop by or get a sneak peek or? Yes, I was able to go on set for, I would say three, it only filmed for four weeks and I was probably there three of the four weeks. So, you know, I'd call him cause he had you know, a job and um, I'd call him and tell him what it was like and that it's a whole different world and and it's uncomfortable. Like I would never want to do that for a living at all. That just the people standing around and the time that it takes. But it was just such a different part of life. It was new for me. Um, I'm glad that we got to you know really be a part. Then he came and he was he was on set for the football stuff. So to get it right. Um, so that was weird, but but fun to be on the set and you know be a part of that. Do you think you'll hear from anybody, whether it's Mike March or Dick Vermeil, saying, I didn't say that, or that's a You think you'll hear some of that? I'm sure at some point we're going to hear that. I know Dick has already seen the movie, and he's extremely excited about how Dennis Quaid portrayed him. But, yeah, I mean, it's the movies. And so you got to make it into a great story, and you got to bring the tension to it. So I'm, I'm sure we'll hear from a few people along the way. Um, and we even struggled with that at times, is that I'm not sure that's exactly how I would have said it. But you watch the movie and you go, oh, but it's pretty powerful the way that they're able to put some of those things into context um, and make them work. Does 99 feel like a million years ago or like two years ago? It feels like a long time ago for me. Um, yeah, it's crazy to think that I've been out of the game for a decade. That, you know, over two decades ago, uh, our time here in St. Louis. And so a big part of the football stuff seems like it was a long time ago. Every time we come back here, though, it seems like it wasn't as long ago. When I see the community and I see the people and, and we see the way that they can continue to support us or you have people walking down the street, there's certain things like that that you go, gosh, it's, it's nice to be back in St. Louis because you remember that community and that connection. And for you, was it ever crazy? Like when that happened in 99, the team was really good. All of a sudden Sports Illustrated's in town and there's cover stories. Could you go to the grocery store? Did it get weird? It got very weird. We just drove through Creep Corps. And that's where we lived with, in a regular neighborhood with no big privacy fences and a gate like we have now kind of thing. People would honestly drop food off at our front door. Like if the media said Kurt had a, was sick in any way, they would leave food and he would eat it. Um, I would say, we don't know these people that drop this food. I mean, the bus um, would go by with a you know, full load of kids and they, the, they would honk and scream every day. I mean, it hit, we were in the phone book during that year. Do you remember phone books? Yeah, but, I do remember. Okay. <laughs> we were in the phone book, for goodness sake. So um, life got really weird really fast. Was there a time when things were going well on the football side that you turned to her and said, I knew I could do this. I knew like, and you guys may have talked in Iowa and said, one day, one day, and I know the movie portrays it, but was there a moment when it happened you said, I knew it? For me, it was actually, so back in 99, uh, I got my first start, and then we had a bye week two. And so week two, we actually went back to Cedar Falls, which is where Brenda was from. And when we were driving, I don't know where we were driving, we were driving somewhere, and I got the call that I was the NFC player of the week after week one. And that was the moment that I kind of looked at her and go, I don't know what's going to happen from here, but we did it. For, for one day or one week, I was the best player in the NFL. And I think that was the moment to me to go, okay, I've proven everything up to this point. I don't know what the future will have in store for us, but that was the moment where I said, told you, told you I could do it, or to myself, just, you knew you could do it, that was it. 
who invented the kiss after the game, or how did that evolve? That took on a life of its own, too. Our <laughs> photographers would trip over each other to get to you guys. How did that start? He started it because I was just standing there cheering him on and thinking he was going to, you know, run right by um, to go in back into the locker room. And all of a sudden, I saw him coming my way and, um, you know, had to climb up on things um, to get over the railing. And he kissed me and said, we did it. Um, so that started it and it did take on it because I remember then feeling the rush of people that wanted to get close to Kurt because they knew he was coming over and just, you know, the pressure of all these people kind of reaching for him. I remember the, sh you know, it starting that tradition. Then once you start it, like if he didn't come and kiss me, do you think everybody yeah. be like, then I can't are go they? home at night. Yeah. You know, you know how yeah. that goes. Well, our, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. But because it took on a life of its own, though, then you got a lot of attention. How did you, everybody talked about your hair. How did you deal with that? Um, did, did you get asked about her hair, too, Kurt? I'm just trying to remember that. Uh, yes, I got asked about her hair you a lot and, and different things. But that's a, a whole challenge in and of itself, is that one of you kind of goes, oh, I want to play, and I, I want to welcome everything that comes with it, with it. And then you have one that goes, I just want to be here to support you, I didn't ask for any of this. And so I know that was a challenge for her to go. And, you know, she never got a chance to really balance it out either, right? I, I could go out on a football field and, and do something and, and kind of cancel out whatever was out there if there was some negative stuff. What was hard for Brenda, it was like, I just am here. I, I don't get a chance to defend anything or stand up for anything or know what somebody's going to write about me. But by the same token, people saw that and saw us together saw the journey as both of us as a family and i think that's one of the coolest things about this movie is that it's about our family it's about us together and very few athletes get a chance to say this journey was us she was in the midst of it she was part of it she was doing interviews and being able to connect with people in unique ways because of things like that kiss starting it and uh and her being thrust into the forefront even though I'm not sure she always wanted it, but we look back now and that to me is one of the things I'm most proud of about our journey is that everybody knows Brenda as well as they know me and that connection really spoke to a lot of people. And that's really important because a lot of times the wife or the spouse just kind of like disappears and here's the husband or the wife, whoever the star is, and it, in your journey, and I'm guessing from the movie too, that's what you love is the impact that your story can have. Now, you guys have done well in life, but like your goal, I'm guessing, is like other people can be inspired or believe. Right. I remember um, when we got to go down to the hospital and walk into rooms with, you know, ill children, and I thought, you know what, this is such a blessing. You can't have just the blessing without the burden of whatever is the burden for you. So, yes, there was a lot, you know, negative things too, but the doors that it opened and I remember finding a place that I could just go hold babies that didn't care who I was and Rankin Jordan was just new then and I, I found a place that I could kind of catch my breath and then go back out to the grocery store and hear you know I love your husband and it's always positive you know it's good things that people want to say to you but it was a lot it really was it was wasn't as um, when I watch the movie, I get to kind of be reminded of, yeah, it came on hard and strong, and uh, here we still are, though. It didn't, it didn't break us. And the pick, the choices of Zach 
And Anna, pretty good choices, right? I mean, I think I he used were, to tell us on the radio, he'd say, oh, maybe Denzel or somebody, <laughs> like, okay. That's who Brenda always wanted to play I just me. wanted to meet him, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I thought they did a great job. Really got the essence of, of who we were. Obviously, you know, the likeness physically always plays a part in it. But um, both Zach and Anna and, and little Hayden, who played our son Zach, all of them I thought really hit the nail on the head with their relationships to each other and the way that they uh, – you know, they represented us and who we are. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, you never know how that stuff all comes together. And she's all into to movies and TV and all that stuff. So when that was going on, she's like, hey, you thought about this person? Have you thought about that person? And I don't know how they figure it out, but I thought they did a great job casting. And Isaac has made this quote. He said, I love St. Louis and I love the Rams. And he said, and for me, both are true. Even if fans are disappointed, the team's not here. Is there a way that the players can say, listen, both are important to me? Without a doubt. I mean, how do you separate from either? If you're a part of the organization, uh, you're always going to be a part of the organization. And the special times that we had as Rams, um, there will always be a connection there. And I would say the same about the community is I didn't play in L.A., so I don't have that sort of connection with the community. So here in St. Louis was our home. You know, the, the people here uh, were our people, and it was our community that did the things that we did as Rams and, you know, we won the championship and, and the parade. I mean, there's no way for me to ever separate myself from either one. Loved having them here in St. Louis and I love the community and the way they supported us. But yes, I, I think both will definitely be true forever for all of us is that we're connected. Uh, we'll never not be connected to St. Louis, but we'll always be connected with the Rams as well. You never know how a movie's going to do across the country, but I would say in St. Louis... Uh, in fact, it'd be a good TV story. Christmas Day, getting people in line, going to see the movie, or maybe the next day, the 26th, which will be a Sunday. But I bet you that movie will do real well here in St. Louis. American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story. Looking forward to that because we lived it. The uh, The stage was St. Louis when Kurt Warner became a national phenomenon. He's still a big star. I mean, on NFL Network, uh, Monday Night Football with Kevin Harlan. That's a great announcing team. Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner. I tell you what, I, I said this several years ago. If I were ESPN, and they keep messing around with different combinations, um, whoever the play-by-play guy is, I'm fine with pairing them with Kurt Warner. To me, that would be the perfect spot to get a high-profile name. And he does a great job calling the games with Harlan. So... That's a quick aside. So appreciate the Warners being on the show. A couple of great guests next week, Thanksgiving week, but talking football with Kevin Burkhart of NFL on Fox, the MLB postgame show, all during the playoff coverage. You've probably seen Kevin, but may not know his whole story. Was uh, trying to get involved in TV, radio, and was living in New Jersey, ended up selling cars for a while. So it's a great story of perseverance. And then Bob Wallace is on the show next week, talking about life in the NFL as an executive. How about that? A guy who worked for Bill Bidwell and then later worked for Georgia Frontier and, in a sense, worked for Stan Kroenke. That's next week. On the Kill Coin Conversation, get us on Spotify, iTunes, all segments posted at scoopswithdannymack.com. Our segments are presented by Triad Bank, Neighborhood Friendly Bank on Clayton Road, Marie Davila Senior Living, just great people, really are just outstanding people been doing this since 1960 at the corner of clayton and weidman road marie davila.com b and g tuck point i believe seeing my guy rich galati real soon they're the best in the bricks in addition to tuck pointing 
waterproofing, foundation repair. They can do all of that. Get a free estimate with one phone call. 363-0525. And Appliance Discounters. Theappliancediscounters.com. They have a slogan that says, Our savings are your savings. And it really means, means something. It's not just a slogan. They go around town and price check. That way, the big box stores, whatever they're selling that item for, they can tell you what their price is versus the big box store. Theappliancediscounters.com. Check them out for yourself. I'm Martin Kilquin. We'll talk to you again next week, Thanksgiving week.